Amen. Alalisa, your team, do your thing. Amen. Right. Thank you, thank you, thank you both for that great introduction. That was just gracious. So Merci. thank you so very, very much. And um, just to everyone that's connected to the entire worship ensemble, I thank you all for, um, for connecting today, for inviting me and um, opening your hearts to me. I thank you, my anointed son and anointed daughter, Bishop and I, we talk about you a lot behind your backs. It's always good, <laughs> but just how grateful we are for you. And just Bless it's you. one of the expressions of God's love towards us is Amen. blessing us with such an anointed son and daughter who also mm -hmm. have an anointed and awesome family. Yeah. And so I'm just thankful to uh, meet some of you. And some of you I have seen before, met before. So I'm seeing some familiar faces and reconnecting and then making some new connections here. So I'm thankful. Uh, and I know that this whole thing is a God connection. So I'm always excited about God connections because he's always doing a new thing and it's a great thing. Um, and so along the way, if you have any questions, if you want to ask anything, um, feel free to. And I just believe that this season that we're in, this COVID-19, you know, the, the changes that it brings, the challenges that it brings, the promises of God still hold true that he works all things together for the good of them that love him and are the called according to his purpose. And we do love him and we are called according to his purpose. So even in a challenging time, there's always something God is getting, um, he's seeking to get us to see in challenging times. And so I know that in this quote unquote shut in, there's a purpose of God in it. You know, some people debate, did God send the pandemic? Did God just allow the pandemic? Whichever it is, God has purpose in it and his purpose will prevail. Sometimes God has to um, sort of shut things down and uh, just sort of bust in and change the status quo, what we're used to, the same old, same old, in order to get our attention in a way that he wasn't able to get it when we were just on the go, on the go, doing our, doing our thing. Um, and so I'm thankful for what God has done in these 10 months or so, uh, and we'll be shut in for a little while longer. And so God is going to complete his work. But I just want to tell you how thankful I am that you all invited me into your family, even though by the spirit, I was already a part of your family, but to be able to see your faces and make this connection is a blessing. So I'm gonna ask everybody just to tell me your name um, and how long you've been with the ministry. And uh, Pastor, you can, I, I don't know if we're seeing it in the same order. Yeah. I'm not the um, tech guru. Okay. So a lot of things I'm not aware of, but uh, so that everybody's not speaking at the same time, is there a particular order? Yeah, we can. Um, that's okay. We can. We can call people. We'll call them out for okay. you. Well, yeah. Um, so I'll start at the top with um, Tiffany. Let me start with you. Yeah, yeah. So tell me how long you've been at the ministry. Um, I've been a part of the ministry. I guess. Um, I think a total of about four years. I uh, joined the church. Uh, I was at the church in two thousand and nine. Um, for about a year and a half, and then um, I left and came back about three years ago. Okay, so, yeah. Tiffany, and if yeah. you see me looking down, I'm going to be writing. I want to write names. Okay, Tiffany. Yeah. Okay, cool. And Tiffany's one of our worship leaders, so she was used to lead worship a lot for us. All yeah. right. Okay, yeah. is one. Yeah, is yeah. Is Thanks, Tiff. Dejanay. Yeah. 
Deja, they just had a birthday too. Happy yeah. birthday, too. Happy birthday, girl. Happy yeah. That's a pretty good Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I have been uh, RCF for six years now. Yeah. Good. Nice. Worship and arts dance. She's one of our worship and art dancers as well. Phenomenal, phenomenal um, dancer when it comes to uh, liturgical dance. Uh, I think you're formally trained, aren't you, uh, Dejanae? I am not. No. Oh, you uh, you do that thing like a ballerina. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. She, does, she does that thing phenomenally well. Okay, good. Thank you. Miss Liza, your name. And uh, yeah, I tell you. I think she just did. Oh, there she is. You know, I'm on Google Meets all the time. This Zoom thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. My name yeah. is Liza. I've been uh, with the church about a year and a half or so. All right. Yeah. Nice. And Liza also does our children's ministry. She's very, very creative. Nice. And uh, she's preparing to kind of put us on some online stuff with children's ministry. So she works in the school district. Gifted young lady. Okay. Right. Good, 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 good. Miss Stephanie says owner. I know it's on my new computer. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've been there since the church started. One of the old heads. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, was on the um, praise team, but now I'm actually working for the church. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind All of right. excited. Okay, great. Great. Miss Kelly. Hi, I'm Kelly King. Um, I'm new, but I've been with RCF for about maybe four months now. Okay. I came from the previous um, church, but I came because I needed to be restored. So yeah. you're at RCF. Amen. Right, that's the place to be. All right. That's it. That's that's it. Cherie. Yeah. She can't find the mute button. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> Can you hear me? You got yeah, you. We got you. Got you. So, okay. My name is Cherie, and I've been with the church for 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Faithful. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Faithful. Yeah. Good. Good. Cassandra. Yeah. Hi. I'm Cassandra Wagner, and I've been with the ministry for four years, and I am from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah. I grew up under the ministry of uh, Bishop Lauren E. Mann, Pentecost. Lauren, yeah. Wow. So great to meet you. Nice to meet you also. Thank you for being wow. here. Homegirl, okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Okay, good. Miss Angela. Yeah. Hello, my name is Angela Hewitt, and I've been with RCF for maybe around two years. In yeah. December, I believe yeah. it was two years. Uh -huh. yeah. I came from a previous church as well. Yeah. All, right. All right. Good, 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 good. Ken, Mr. Ken. Yeah. Hey, y'all. What's up, everybody? Uh, Pastor Clay, so very nice to meet you. Um, I, I'm not this black, I promise. I'm just driving. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to turn on the light. <laughs> but uh, so very nice. I'm Kendrick. Um, I'm one of the newer guys. I'm almost at my year anniversary. Uh, excited to be growing with RCF and growing with this outstanding team. Oh, right. Nice. Wonderful. Nice. Nice. Miss Kathy. Yeah. Hey, Elder. 
You're muted, Kathy. You're muted. She's real soft. I hear her. Yes. Yeah, she's through mine. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're in the same house. Oh, okay. Who's that? Who's in the same house? Okay, cool. Those are the sisters. You know them as the sisters. Okay. Yeah. Kathy, we still can't hear you. You're still muted. Yeah, you're muted. Yeah. Yeah, you might want to go bail her out, Stephanie. I already didn't want to. Yeah, while we go around the room, we'll come back to her. Uh, John, go for it, John. Hey, guys. Hi. I, uh, I've known Pastor for pre-restoration days back in Arizona. Now, I got it. Pastor. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll keep going. And uh, I've been, I got to re uh, restoration at... Uh, in Denver in 2006 when the military moved us out to Denver from uh, Tucson. And so I kind of connected with him and uh, I joined alongside him in ministry and got to know Pastor Felix and not the guy with all the musicians rolling around Tucson and preaching and hollering with the Sons of Thunder. Um, so it's been a joy to just come alongside him as a uh, just a brother, a minister, an elder, musician. Um, so he's, I'm from Youngstown, Ohio. I used to... Um, we used to attend the Church of the Round out in Astrobula, and uh, my wife is from Pittsburgh, but wow. uh, yeah, yeah, I'm on the other side of the state line, right there okay. in Youngstown. Okay, good, yes. good. Okay. All right, Kathy, go for it. Okay, yes, um, Elder Lisa, uh, yeah, I met you years ago. We went out to, a, I think, a worship conference in, in the early 90s, I think it was. Yeah. But uh, that's where I had the pleasure of meeting you, and I'm so happy to be able to uh, sit up, uh, sit with regards to this uh, continual yeah. teaching with you. It's good to see you again. And like Stephanie said, I'm one of the old heads. I've been here from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen yeah. you again too. Yeah, wow. yeah, good. Glenda, go for it, Glenda. Yeah. Glenda, okay. Hi, I'm Glenda Thorne. Uh, we joined, my husband and I joined Restoration of 2018 so it's yeah. been two years now that we've been a part of the ministry and we're loving every bit of it and i thank god that i have the pleasure to meet you uh yeah. pastor clay as well yeah thank you so much it's nice to amen. meet you also. thank amen. you okay miss yolanda yeah Hey, 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 holla. Good evening, everyone. And Pastor, uh, no, 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 Elder Lisa yeah. Clay. I, yes, yeah. my love, I've had the opportunity to be present at uh, a few of your um, um, preachings at the church uh, yeah. the years. I'm a, I'm a vet of RCF. I've been with RCF. How it originally started in the 97s when Pastor was uh, preaching at uh, Laurie oh, Air Force yeah. Base. Yeah. And, uh, my brother is an original member. So whenever my parents and us would yeah. come from the Springs to visit, we would go to church on Sunday. Holla. Holla. <laughs> then I became a member when he moved to the school. And I've been with the ministry over 20 years. Yeah. on the praise team. Yeah. And just being with amongst uh, awesome, awesome family. They have been so good to me. Yeah. And I appreciate everybody on the worship team. And my pastors, Pastor Felix and Pastor Katani. So I yeah. look forward to your training for these yeah. two weeks. I may be a little late. Um, yeah. I had a dentist appointment, but I have my treatment group at 6, 
yeah. about seven. So, but I got out early so I could not miss too much. All right, yes. glad you got out. Glad you're here. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, Miss Jackie, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, I am the newbie on the block, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, even though I'm probably the oldest in age, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've been uh, with uh, RCF. I joined the ensemble about a month ago. Yeah. And um, but I've been doing ministry in uh, some capacity uh, for thirty plus years. Okay. Um, I just recently moved back to. Denver about four months ago, uh, but most people in the Denver metropolitan area know me on some capacity because um, I've I've done sung on a in Colorado Mass. I've sung for Heritage, sung I've sung for As One, and that's how I originally met uh, Pastor and First Lady. Probably don't okay. remember me, but I was with yeah. As One and sang at Restoration okay. a few times. Yeah, yeah, so. I'm um, happy to be here, and uh, I've been singing ministry, singing since I was five years old in the church. Wow. Oh, wow. I didn't have a choice. My, my, I was uh, raised PAW, yeah. and um, my my mother and them they made me sing, so I had no choice. <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. Okay, yeah, Miss um, Tina, let me let you go. Yeah, I'm keeping an eye on Mimi. I don't know if she's working to see when she has a break. Maybe she can talk or something like that. Yeah, so I'm keeping an eye on her. Go for it, Tina. Hey, pastors. Hey, Elder Lisa. Hey, My name is Tina. Yep. I have been at RCF. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think three years. Okay. Yeah, I always, I'm texting Tiffany going, how long has it been? But yeah, <laughs> I, think it's been, I think it's been about three years because I was there before like some other people that had yeah. said that they were there like two. So I've been there. I've been blessed, and I am so excited about this and meeting yeah. you. And I cannot wait. God has got something exciting in store for us, so I can't wait to receive it. Okay. Thank you, Tina. Thank good. you. It's great meeting good. you good. too. Good. Maybe a uh, Tracy. Let me let Tracy go, Miss Tracy. Yeah. <clears throat> hi, Pastor. Hey. Hi. And hi, Pastor Clay. It's good to see you again. Good to see you too again. Yes. And so collectively, I've been at the church for 11 years. I left for a small period, yeah. but I really do like Pastor Felix and Pastor Kay. And so <laughs> I have returned to support them in their efforts. I've learned a lot yeah. through them. And I just want to say I'm just very grateful because uh, I'm studying all the time and I'm just so proud of me and I'm just grateful. So yeah. I'm glad to be a part and it's good to see you. It's okay. good to see you. That's great. Yeah. Bless you. Bless you. Miss Mimi, can you talk? I don't know if she can talk yet. She can't talk yet. Okay. Um, Kelly, why don't you talk for Mimi real quick? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the person that cannot talk, her name is Mimi. And yeah. <laughs> she has been with us as far as restoration, the same amount of time we came over together, we were brought over by Kendrick Love. Yeah. Um, we've been over here for about four months. Yeah. Um, and she just loves to serve God, just like I do. Okay. Yeah. And Mimi, thank you for being at work and taking the time to log in and, and showing your face. So we really appreciate that. No, we love you yeah. for that. Miss Angie, did we get you yet? Yeah. We got yeah. Angie. Okay. Um, you guys already know. Did I miss anybody? Let me get JB. Let me have JB. JB and Eddie. Yeah, and Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm sure on my face, but I got the grandkids, Pastor, and it's um, yeah. it's driving me crazy. But, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'm in the bathroom. Well, that's your best. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's good to see you guys. Me and Elder talked earlier. A great conversation. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this building process and yeah. this networking of, of the spiritual family. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you, JB. He told me about Thank the you, grandchildren, uh, and it was just a wonderful conversation. It was yeah. so happening yeah. to you. So it's nice to see the face. Um, yeah. And we already connected by the spirit. So there's okay. already Absolutely. a spiritual connection. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Good. Eddie. Yeah. Hey, Elder. Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, my goodness, you're looking more and more like your dad, my goodness. <laughs> Be glad you got a handsome dad. But you yeah, yeah. <laughs> nah, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I've been there at the church and before, you know, you've been there before me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, That's good. Yeah. Yeah, good. Did we miss anybody? I think we got it. Did we get everybody? I think we got everybody. Shonda. Shonda, Shonda, Shonda. Yeah, yeah. Sorry we missed you, yeah. No. Praise the Lord. I'm Elder Clay. Pleased to meet you. I'm Shonda Lewis. I've been at the ministry for about two years. Okay. Yeah. Shonda's my executive assistant. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's nice to meet you too, Shonda. Wow, thank you. You too. I'm loving this. Is these uh, new connections are wonderful, as well as reconnecting with those that I've met yeah. before. And I just thank God that we're all being invited to start in this new place with God. So longevity doesn't matter. Right. I, and that's you know, I just wanted to know how long you have been connected to the ministry. Um, and excuse my dark glasses. I have I, my eyes are fine, but I wear dark glasses always uh, mm. because I've been blind twice in my life, oh, and wow. um, both times came as a result of swimming. My cornea shrank, and the first mm. time, you know, when they got me to the hospital, they they uh, dilated my eyes, and the sight came back. The second time it happened, um, they dilated my eyes, and there was no sight, and it took like three days for my eyesight to come back. So I had patches oh. on for three days. Um, it's a part of why I can play the piano without looking because yeah. for those three days, other than going to get something to eat and going to the bathroom, I sat at the piano and I told them, put me in front of middle C because if yeah. I can never see again, I yeah. still will be able to play. So yeah. put me in front of middle C. So it was those three days. I just, yeah. you know, with no sight. And it's amazing how when one oh. sense is gone, yeah. the other senses do get heightened. So my hearing, everything was so much better. But um, I didn't know that my eyesight was ever going to come back. But after three days, thank God it did. But yeah. um, when that happened, one of the drawbacks is that my eyes were very sensitive to light. So okay. I always have on dark glasses. And it's not that I'm trying to be cool. It's not a, a fashion statement. <laughs> it's just that eyes really put a pressure on my, my uh, a light puts a pressure on my eyes. And... I would just start, tears would start coming and you would think I was crying, but it's just what the uh, pressure from the light does to my eyes. So that's why I have on these dark glasses. And if you hear heavy breathing, it is not Bishop being fresh. It's not my husband being <laughs> fresh. We have a dog, a Bichon, and he's walking around, but he breathes heavy. So if you hear heavy breathing, it's <laughs> him. Um, <laughs> so I just wanted you all to know that. But thank you for taking the time again. Yeah. Thank you for taking the time to yeah, connect. Thank you. thank you for trusting my heart to um, just pour into you. And in no way am I an expert. I do not believe that you can be an expert at spiritual things because it's yeah. ever learning, ever growing. You can mature in the things of God. But 
I don't believe that you can be an expert. So that's why even a person like Paul, the apostle said, you know, I want to know him. And he had written so many letters already, but he kept saying, I want to know him, um, recognizing that no matter how much you know of God, because he's infinite, he's eternal, there's so much more to know. And so I'm with you on this journey as we are continuing to grow in God, continuing to um, just grow in Christ and understand more of what he wants to reveal to us about what worship truly is. He wants to reveal more to us about who he is and in doing so he reveals more to us about who he has created each one of us to be. And so mm -hmm. I'm thankful for just the process of God and the journey. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about me, just uh, like I said, if you have any questions, but I want you to understand who you're talking to, some of my experience and by the spirit, you'll discern my heart. Um, but in terms of my journey, I, I started playing piano when I was six years old. And uh, actually you had to be seven to take lessons. And my grandmother wanted all of her grandkids to take lessons. And I have a sister who's a year older. So she started at seven and I would cry to take, you know, to take the lessons. I was five and a half, but um, he kept saying, you have to wait until you're seven. And one day he just said, you know what, I'm sick of you crying. Uh, let me just see you play a scale. And as soon as I played it, he was like, oh, you're meant to play. And so he took me, by that point I was about six. And so he took me for lessons and I had lessons until, you know, I was maybe a teenager, um, was raised in the church, raised in um, Baptist tradition. And uh, so I played for church all of my life, even through my wild years. Um, by the time I was 12, I just went crazy close to turning 13, I just went out of my mind. And some of it was because, like I said, my sister was a year and a half older. They treated us like we were the same age until she turned 13. And when she turned 13, she started getting these privileges and extensions on curfew. And every time I would ask, well, why are you all making a difference? Why did she get to do this? They would say, well, she's 13 now. And that was the only response I would get. So what that translated into my mind as, because I'm 11 and a half, is, wow, when you turn 13, you could do whatever you want, huh? When you turn 13, so for me, I thought like at 13, she had all of these advantages and could do whatever. So I'm like, I can't wait till I turn 13 because I'm grown. And it was a skewed way of thinking. I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, but I really thought that 13 meant I could do whatever I wanted to do. So by the time I turned, when I turned 13, I went just absolutely wild between drugs, from promiscuity. Um, I mean, I was a straight up drug addict for many years and I'm talking a drug addict. Um, and it went from weed to acid, to any kind of upper, um, to cocaine. And God delivered me right before crack hit the street, right before crack hit the street. And so, I mean, but I was really a drug addict and to where, you know, my mom and them, they sent me to psychiatrists, they did everything they knew to do. And one day she said, Lisa, all I know to do is to turn you over to God. And when she did that, it's like she released me to God in a way where God began to just one-on-one -on -one do particular things in my life, in my heart, convince me of how real he was. And even though I had been raised in the church, I knew scripture, I played in the church, I would go to church high, I would, you know, all of that. And God was gracious and God, I thank God for his mercy, for his grace. 
And I always say, if there was no Bible, and I believe every word of the Bible, but if there was no Bible, I would know how real God is simply through experience. Cause he's been there. He's, I mean, always just, I, I can't even, I can't even describe how real relationship with God is. And so I would be in places and in situations where music couldn't help, um, singing couldn't help. The one thing, even money couldn't help certain situations, but the one thing that has helped me, aided me in every situation, every day, every circumstance has been God. And so relationship with God, I got convinced of it. By the time I was in my twenties, I was convinced of it. And so God um, began to take me from knowing about the word, even being able to quote scriptures to really living it. And that thing being in my heart and he, took me from a, a religious church experience to a real relationship with him. And I mean, I'm just, I can't even describe how grateful, how thankful I am to God for that one-on-one -on -one experience, for the encounters, for his patience. Um, and just, I've been in situations where four o'clock in the morning, someone was in my home and I woke up and I felt the presence of evil. And there was a man that had gotten in my house. I lived alone at that point is before I was married. And I knew money can't help singing, can't help, you know, God, what do I do? And he began to just give me step by step. And when I say God told me, or I'm speaking to God, or he's speaking to me, I'm talking communicating. So it's like, we can communicate different ways. You know, you can, as a mother, you can give your child a look, you know, and they know what you're saying. So there's different ways to communicate. So when I'm talking about God speaking to me, it's not always audible, but a lot of times it's what we would call uh, intuition or what we would call a sense in my spirit. So he communicated to me, even in that instance, what to do. And it ended up, um, because I saw a demon, I saw this man and his eyes had rolled back in his head. He was, it was a demon. And God told me how to respond to this person, what to say. And eventually I saw his eyes roll back that the real person was there again. And he just walked out of my house and I got on my knees. Now this guy has been, he's in prison now for life, for life without parole because he murdered three people. Um, the following week, he raped one of our members he raped somebody else he broke into her house raped her and he murdered a child murdered two other uh adults and so i knew that once again god 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 and i was in that position because i had not listened to god it was somebody that had been working on my house and i knew the person and they asked me they said they left something at my house and they needed to run over and grab their, I wasn't at home at that point, they needed to run over and grab something from my house and my spirit, something deep inside me said no. But because I knew the person, I responded out of my soul. And I said, well, I know them. Well, here to come to find out months and months later, they had gotten an extra key made. And that's what they used to come into the house. So lessons like that taught me, my spirit, listening to my spirit, listening to what God is saying to my spirit, God, teach me how to do that because you guide me spirit to spirit. Spirit, capital S, referring to the Holy Spirit, to spirit, who we truly are. It's like God speaks spirit to spirit. So I've had so many experiences where God taught me the importance of building and nurturing my spirit, 
because that's who we are. We are spirit beings and we possess souls and we live in bodies, but the essence of who we are is spirit. And so even when God is making the point in John 4, 23 and 24, and he says, God is a spirit and those that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. And so he's not, you know, what we can get used to is worshiping him, what we call worship out of our souls. And the soul is literally, it is the Adamic nature, Adam. It is the, our carnal nature. That's who, that's what our soul is. And the soul is not a bad thing, but it was never meant to lead us, never meant to be in charge. There's a saying that says the soul is a wonderful servant, but it's a horrible master. It was never meant to lead. And so we're meant to be led spirit to spirit. And so I always teach our worship team the importance of building and nurturing and feeding your spirit being through the word of God, through spending time with God, through uh, just, just listening to God, spending time in his presence, taking in that which speaks to your spirit. And I always try to be mindful, even if somebody's talking to me, when they're trying to tap into my soul versus when it's building my spirit. And so I said all of that to say, that the experience of worship relationship with God goes so far beyond music. And I'm not telling you all anything you don't know, but as a worship leader, the most important thing that I do has nothing to do with music. God loves music. Music actually, the root word means to muse, M-U-S-E, muse. And so music, God loves music, God created music. Music has a way of penetrating the soul and just going into the spirit, it can seep into the spirit, it, it penetrates the sub, the, the conscious mind and goes into the subconscious. Music is a beautiful thing. But I have found that, um, and I used to be this way also, that with a lot of uh, worship team leaders, praise team leaders, there's a distinction between loving music versus loving God. And the music speaks of your love for God. And so I know as a musician, um, a church musician, I have found that there are some musicians that actually uh, love music more than loving God. And so there, I, I do believe that the journey I have been on, which as I said, included being blind, included being delivered from drugs, just so many things God has done. I was convinced of the reality of God and the necessity of relationship with God in order to live, not just exist, but live. So Jesus said, I came to give you life and that abundantly. And so just like many of you, we've all had church experiences, but like many of you, um, you've experienced church hurt and there's nothing like church hurt, you know? Uh, but like the church I was born and raised in, and I played for Sunday school at eight and played for the children's choir at 12. They, uh, no, at 10, they put me over the senior choir when I was 12, which was not the thing to do because they knew me from before I was born. And they would say, you better not try to tell us what to do. You know, but I'm a 12 year old over a senior choir. And so I thank God for the foundation that he laid in a religious environment. I also thank God for moving me from the religious environment, but there was a foundation laid through church that I'm thankful for. But because I was so used to being there and I had been there 20 years, even like I said, even through my drug years, I was there 
and I sense God saying it's time to move, but out of familiarity, I would not move. And so God kept letting negative things happen and things happen within the church that finally pushed me out. And it's like, because I would not move, he had to allow circumstances to come to push me. And it caused me to say, I'm done with it all. But what God wanted me to understand is no matter how much people have hurt you, no matter who has hurt you, even if they apologize, they can't heal you. No person has the power to heal, only God can. And so he let me get hurt enough to where I had to make a choice, either be a bitter person or go to the healer and let him reach into those places where human hands can't even reach. And he said, do you want to, you know, if you wrote up a list of what every what everybody did wrong to you and everybody that hurt you, he said, at the end of the list, you might be accurate, but you would still not be healed. So do you want to be accurate or do you want to be healed? And so I really made the choice, God, I want, I want to be healed. And he said, the healer is here. The healer is here right here, right now. And remember, even if, you know, they apologize, they can't heal you, but I'm here right now. So there are such situations where you can sense this is a crossroad. This is a turning point. This is God himself inviting me to go to a new place in him. It's God himself presenting me with a choice where I can say yay and step into a new place, or I can say nah and just keep going down the road I've been going down. I believe that in this pandemic, God is presenting that choice to us all because he told me nobody would come out of this pandemic the same. Everybody, everybody would be changed. The change, whether it was a positive or negative, would depend on the choice we make in this pandemic. So I believe even, even the timing of this, as long as I have known Pastor Felix and Pastor Katani, the timing of this is so God, because here we are in the midst of a pandemic, here we are where I know God is saying to his body, to his worshipers, to those who are part of the church, that there is something God is saying. He wants to get our attention. He wants to present to us a choice and an opportunity to go to a new place in him. And he meets us where we are. So even though we're all in different places, whether it's uh, physically we are in different places, but even spiritually, some may be more, more mature than others. Some are babes, some are you know, matured in terms of adulthood in the spirit. But for all of us, God says, I'm willing to meet you where you are and take you to the next place. And so he's offering all of us, including me, that choice. That choice, I call it crossroads, but that choice happens over and over again in life. So you can look at your lives and you can look at significant times when whether it was a conscious choice or not, that you hit this crossroad and there was a deep choice you had to make, but that choice impacted your, your, your journey. It impacted the rest of your life. It caused you to change direction. Those are the type choices that come over and over again in our lives, and if our spirits are sensitive, we can sense, okay, this is a God choice. This is something that God is putting before me. And love, and I'm talking now, agape. There are different types of love. There's phileo, you know, there's just many different types of love, but I'm talking agape. He always prepares us and equips us to be able to make the right choice. And then he lets us choose. He doesn't force us. He lets us choose. So, you know, I always say there's two trees in your garden. 
where Adam in the beginning in Genesis and Eve, there were two trees in the midst of the garden and they could choose between the knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life. It was their choice. God had put them both there and God told them the truth. He always gives us the truth of what's gonna happen depending on our choice. He gives us the truth, but then he allows us to choose even when he knows they're gonna make the wrong choice. So he knew that they were gonna choose the other tree but agape gives us choice. And so today we're not going real deep, but what I did, I do believe God wants us to understand is that for all of us in this pandemic, in this season, um, for these weeks that we have together, that there is a choice God is putting before all of us. And it's agape saying, you, you, you are equipped. I am equipped. He has equipped us to choose that which he is offering to us. But we can say, no, we wanna keep doing what we're doing or we wanna do it our way. But it is an invitation and it takes spiritual eyes to see opportunity in the midst of adversity. It takes spiritual eyes to see opportunity in the midst of challenges. challenges. And these are challenging times, but in the midst of this challenging season, in the midst of these challenging times, there is an opportunity that God is offering us that will draw us closer to him. It will impact not just, I'm not talking about our church life. I'm talking about our personal lives. I'm talking about every area of our lives. God cares about every single area of our lives and he doesn't want us singing good and feeling bad inside. You know, God cares about every aspect of our, of our being. He really does care. And so these weeks, we will not be talking music. Um, and I know JB has phenomenal gifts and he's been anointed as it relates to uh, music. And so I just don't believe that that's the focus that God would have me um, to dwell on as it relates to our time together. But it's more relationship. And so we all know that there's a difference between religion versus relationship. There's also a difference between church versus kingdom. There's also a difference between Jesus versus Christ. And so there are things that we see as synonymous that are not synonymous. For example, Jesus, um, salvation, he's the door, but who goes through a door to just stay in the doorway? And the scripture says in Matthew one that he was born Jesus, but he was called Christ. And so I believe that for all of us, we're born with, with whatever given name we have, but we're, he's calling us into Christ. And so many times in scriptures, what you'll see is there are times Jesus is used. There are times Christ is used. There are times where it says Jesus Christ. There are times where it says Christ Jesus. All of that is significant. It's not by coincidence and it's not happenstance when they use Jesus versus Christ. For example, Jesus being the salvatory arm of God, Jesus was necessary. Jesus, uh, we're saved because of the blood of Jesus, because of what he has done. Salvation, as it relates to where we end up when we leave here, all of that is in Jesus and is so needed and you can't get to Christ without first going through Jesus. Christ, when the scripture says, for example, in Philippians four, um, no, it's Philippians three, that we can do all things through Christ. It's, it's critical 
that it says Christ. It's not saying we can do all things through Jesus. We can do some things through Jesus, but we can do all things through Christ. And so if you, when, when we look at some of our struggle, it's because we've been trying to do through Jesus that which can only be done through Christ. And so there's no condemnation therefore in Christ. There are particular things, Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. I do believe that a part of the journey God would have us to walk through is from Jesus into Christ. Christ means anointed. Christ means anointing. Christ is the DNA of God inside of us. Christ is who, uh, it's literally our true identity is in Christ. And so it's so critical that we are able to walk from Jesus and walk this path into the Christ because that's where our true identity comes forth, who we really are. And that's where things like brokenness and damage and us being needy or for affirmation from people, all of those things are dealt with in Christ. All of those things are dealt with in Christ. And so whether it's the distinction between Jesus versus Christ, whether it's the distinction between religion religion versus relationship, um, whether it is that distinction between soul versus spirit, there's some clarity that I know God wants to bring forth in us and to us in these next coming weeks. And so that I'm looking forward to. Tonight, I wanted to understand who I'm talking to and get your names and just hear your voices, see your faces, make the connection, and then lay a uh, foundation for where we're going. And so even tonight, just this issue of church versus kingdom, church is so necessary. It, you know, it's necessary in terms of um, God created the church to be a salvatory vehicle because man had fallen. And so the church was necessary um, to get to the Christ. But once again, church versus kingdom are two different things. Church deals with a particular aspect of our being. Kingdom is every area of our lives. And so I do believe that God wants to teach us kingdom worship. He wants to teach us true worship when John 4 makes the statement that, you know, God is a spirit, they that worship him must worship, worship him in spirit and truth. It also says that God is seeking true worshipers. So if God is seeking true worshipers, it ob obviously means that there is a worshiper that is untrue, false, false, fake. So what he's looking for is a true worshiper. According to his definition of what that means, he's seeking it. And I always have said, if God is seeking something, I want to offer what he's seeking. I want to, if he's looking for something, I want to be offering that what he's looking for. And so he's not the only one seeking. So 1 Peter 5, 8 says that the enemy, the devil, he's seeking. So he's seeking, he's going about like a roaring lion, seeking who he can devour, who, who can he destroy? Who can he devour? And that's what, God, you know, the, it's like God is seeking, the enemy is seeking, they're both looking, and I want to be offering that which God is seeking. I understand that the enemy is looking for who he can devour, and it's not devour in a religious sense. It is that he just, it's John 10, 10, that the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's a three-step process. He first comes, he steals, 
and then that which is meant to be alive in you, he steals it. He can steal your joy. He can steal your expectation. He can steal your, your peace. Whatever that thing is in us, that in the course of our human existence, even though we are spirits, we're in these human bodies, the enemy comes to try to steal from you. And then when he's able to steal that place that's meant to be alive in you, he kills it. It's another process. It's, 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 it's order. There's a stealing, there's a killing, and then it says destroyed. Still, we know what that means. You rob, you take it from somebody. You can steal something from somebody by either convincing them that what they have is not of value. So they just give it to you because they're convinced that it doesn't even matter. It's not a value. Or you can distract them and get their attention and get them to look somewhere else so that they're not focused on the thing that has value. And so it would be like um, being young and promiscuous and your worth to you is in your body. And so men want you for your body and not recognizing that as they are taking advantage of your body or for men, it could be the opposite, whatever it is, but they're taking advantage of something and getting you to focus on how fine you are and all that kind of stuff. But the truth of your identity and your self-worth and how you see yourself and your your, your value, you're not even, your eye is not even on that. You're on, let me just look sharp. Let me just look pretty. Let me just, and so it's like the enemy can distract you and that's a part of what he does to steal. He gets your attention focused somewhere else. And the thing that really matters He's just trying to rob you of that. So that's the steal. The kill, we know what that means to extinguish life. Something in you is meant to be alive. We're meant to expect good. And you can find yourself being the kind of person that's waiting for the you know, next shoe to drop. You're, you know, It's like, okay, I don't expect anything good. My expectation is gone. Where we were meant to expect and to dream and to hope and to envision that can be crushed and just killed inside of you so that you are existing but not alive on the inside. And then we that destroy, he comes, the enemy comes, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. Destroy is an interesting word because in the Greek, what it actually means is to demolish. It means to utterly demolish. So it would be like if there was a corpse and that person was dead, that's the kill. But the next step is to demolish it, to totally and utterly destroy it. So there's not even evidence that there was a corpse. There's not even evidence that there was a person. And if we look at our lives, we can see that some of us have gone through those three steps where something was stolen from you, you were robbed of something of value. You can see the next step where something that was meant to be alive died on the inside. And then if that continues, it goes to that place of destroy, destruction, where there's not even evidence that I used to be the kind of person that hoped and that expected and that dreamed. And so when you look at when you were a child, think of, okay, how did you used to dream before you became, before you got self-protective, before you got hurt, before you stopped, trusting people, before you got suspicious of people, before all of the hurt came, like who was the little person 
whether you're a female, who was that little girl that used to just be so daring and just, you know, like hope and expect and dream? Or who was that little boy that was like, yeah, I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that when I grow up. We can all look at our lives and see where that three-step process has occurred. The enemy is the thief, has stolen something, he has killed something, and he has destroyed something where I can't even remember how I used to be before the damage came. But for each one of those steps, God has a process. And so it is the process of God that says, okay, if the enemy came and robbed you of something, I am the restorer. This is restoration. I will restore that which has been stolen. I'll restore it until you're in the right place. If the next step was killing, God says, you don't have to worry if something died in you. I am the resurrection. The resurrection is not an event. It's a being, it's a person, it is God. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. So you don't have to worry if something has died in you. I'm here to bring it alive. I'm here to bring forth life in you. I am the resurrection. And we don't have to worry even on the third step if something has been destroyed, if it's been demolished, if there's no evidence of the real you that it was ever there that you ever hoped to get. He said, don't even worry if it doesn't exist in you anymore because I am creator. I will create what is gone. I will create what's been demolished. I will create what you can't even remember. I am creator. So you don't have to worry. So for the three-step process of the enemy, there's a three-step solution from God. And I believe that's what we're all entering into, that we're going to come out of these four weeks. We are going to be restored. We're going to be alive from the inside out. And our creator is going to create brand new areas within us that we didn't even know existed, that there's a new way of being that we're all stepping into. And I thank God for that truth. I thank him for that truth. So worship and worship leaders, we will talk in these next few weeks about uh, God's definition of worship, what he means by worship, that it's relational and worship, true worship, it, it, it starts this way, but it expresses itself this way. It expresses itself like I cannot say I love God and then I'm mean to God's people and God's children. And um, we'll talk about the difference between character, the character of Christ versus the gifts. So, so many people are gifted, but God is not impressed with gifts. He gave the gifts. So I can't impress God with something that he gave to me. He's not impressed by my gift. What he is honored by is the character. Galatians 5, 22, 23 talks about the fruit of the spirit um, and love, joy, peace, and faithfulness, goodness, self-control, meekness, all of that. That is the, the fruit of the spirit, which means the character of Christ. It's what the spirit produces in us. Fruit has to be produced. And so it's the character of Christ. And I did not know until I was full grown that you can actually choose how you want to be. And I remember this is before Bishop and I were married and we were in one of those heated arguments. And he was like, you know, Lisa, you need to choose how you want to be. Well, I just got quiet because before he said that, I didn't know that you could choose how you wanted to be. I thought that you were just left with however you were born, whatever your life experiences were, whatever uh, you inherited through your natural bloodline. I didn't realize that that might be true, but through my spiritual bloodline, I've got access to a different nature. I've got access to a different character. And so I did not know you could choose how you wanted to be. And God began to help me to understand that if you are a moody person, 
whatever you allow to remain, remains. Whatever you accept will stay like it is. And he's like, you give yourself permission to be moody. You give yourself permission to have a bad day. And God said, don't ever call a, bad, a day bad again because I created every single day and I don't create bad days. And he said, you might have challenging days, but it's not a bad day because I created it. And so God began to say to me, like, I don't give you an excuse to be mean to people. I don't give you an excuse. And God said, I'll never ask you to give something to someone else that I haven't first given to you. So if I'm asking you to forgive someone, I gave you forgiveness first. If I'm asking you to be kind to someone, I was kind to you first. And God said, instead of dealing with people tit for tat, how they deal with you, he said, respond to people like I respond to you. And it simplified life for me that I don't have to deal with, like, be nice to people that like me, be mean to people that it's too complicated, too confusing, and too much of a roller coaster of life. And so God said, you can choose how you want to be. And I didn't realize that I had given myself permission to be moody and to be mean to people and to be sometimey. And so I began to just ask God to develop the fruit of the spirit in me. And it's a work of the spirit, but we've got to make the choice. So we go back to choice. So much has to do with choice. The power of choice is critical. The, the truth that agape, he does equip us to make the right choice, but then he says, choose. And he lets us know the truth of our choice. He lets us know, he let Adam and Eve know in the day that you eat of that tree, you know, this is what's gonna happen. All of this craziness is gonna come into the world and all of this negative stuff is gonna come into the world. He equipped them to make the right, right choice, but then he let them choose. They didn't make the correct choice, but once again, God had process in place. He had a plan in place. And so he's like, I got to get them back into Jesus. Jesus will bring forth the Christ in them. And then here we are on this journey to understanding who we are in Christ. And as worshipers, as worship leaders, our personal private time with God is so critical. It is so critical. It is, and I'm not talking about in a religious sense that you gotta spend seven hours every day in the presence of God. But I'm saying through this pandemic, what one of the things that God has done is allow us to reprioritize, reassess. What do you invest most in? Reassess, what is your first? What is your first? Because with Ephesus in Revelations 2, his issue was, I see all this stuff that you've done, but you've left your first love. You left your first love. And the promise is in that scripture in Revelations 2, to Ephesus, he says, return to your first love. And if you do so, the promise is that I will cause you and allow you to eat again from the tree of life. It's that in Eden, the choice that they had, tree of knowledge of good and evil or tree of life, God says, put me first, return to your first love, and I will give you the promise that Adam and Eve forfeited. I will give you the promise to eat from the tree of life. And that is not just a religious term. It, it's literally on the inside, I am fresh and green. On the inside, the older I get in chronological years, the better I get, the better I feel. It's not like I'm dreading getting older, I'm loving getting older, but that's because life is coming from the inside out. So I have friends that joke and say, well, 
I'm still, I'm staying 30. And I'm like, you stay there if you want to. I'm gonna keep it moving. I want, I'm enjoying getting older. I'm enjoying life. And even though the body does what it does, and you know how the body, the older you get things that used to be firm, start drooping and things that you, you know what I'm saying? And things that used to be flexible and limber, they get stiff. It's like, okay. So that's what the body does. And if your life is in the body, you're headed for disappointment. But if your life is in spirit, the spirit doesn't have an age to it. The spirit can't age. The spirit doesn't get old. The spirit is eternal. And the more you nurture it and build it, the more alive you are from the inside out. So I'm 59 and I am younger internally than I was when I was 20. When I was 30, I'm younger internally. And I see the when I look in the mirror, I see the body, but I know that this is an, it's a shell. It's a house that I live in, but the real me is more vibrant and getting younger every day because of relationship, not because of religion, because of relationship with God. And so the worship aspect of it, when I'm saying worship, I'm not talking music. When Petra started, honestly, um, God said our first time coming together, what he told me to do, he said, do not seek singers, seek worshipers. And I was like, okay, this is a different concept because like I said, I've been playing in church my whole life and I could teach parts, soprano, alto and tenor with my eyes closed because I had been doing it for years. Music, now I wasn't a singer, I was a pianist. I you know, accompanied people. But when Petra started, God told me to start singing and I'm like, God, I'm not a singer. And he said, if you love me, obey what I'm requiring of you. So that's why I started singing. But prior to that, I would I, I was an accompanist. And between being blind and play, you know, learning how to play with my eyes closed, uh, with, with, with no sight, I could play with my eyes closed. I could teach parts with like soprano, alto, tender, music. It was all about music. Well, when I came into relationship with God, he said, why do you invest, like where, where scripture tells you that you better have three-part harmony? I was like, okay, I can't find that. Okay, he was like, what's like, what have you been reading? Where did you get your teaching from? And I had to acknowledge that most of the teaching I got was from religion. It was from my church experience and God wasn't downing it. He wasn't saying that's a horrible thing. He was saying that you can stay there and get stuck just in that place, or you can continue. So you know how John 8.32, we always quoted, um, uh, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Well, I asked God, okay, we know truth. How come we're still not free? And God said, read the verse before it. Well, the verse before it says, if you continue in my word, you gotta continue, then you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. The truth will set you free. And so I had gotten stuck in this religious way of seeing music, seeing worship, seeing praise. And God said, I'm not downing you for that. It was a part of the process. It's a necessary part of the process, but I'm meeting you where you are. Now I wanna take you to a higher place. And it's like, okay. So that's when he began to teach me that there is something I can bring through you that earth can't produce. There's something that I can bring through you that the human mind can't even come up with. And so he said, let's start here. Lay down what you know. I was like, what do you mean? Lay down what I know? He said, seek worshipers, not singers. And he said, when you all come together, don't sing a note. Don't play a note. Don't sing a song. No music. 
And I was like, God, well, how do we worship without music? And he said, I'm glad you finally asked. After all these years, I finally asked him, how do you worship without music? And that was the open door to him teaching me what worship actually is. And so I had, because I had played all those years, I had gotten my playing to wear all these dissonant chords and all, it was pleasing to my ear. And God said, it's okay. A part of the process of maturing is offering God what we come up with. But there's a higher place, which is finding out what God wants and giving him that. And so he took me to, he like said, lay it all down. I laid it all down and I was in my basement and I was sitting at the keyboard and I was like, okay, God, for the first time in my life, and I'm in my thirties at this point, And I'm like, I've been playing all my life. I'm going to ask you, instead of me giving you what I want to give you, which pleases me, how many of you have ever received a gift from somebody that pleased them to give you, but it didn't impress you at all? You didn't really want the gift. Okay. That's how we can deal with God, giving him what we want. And so we're happy because we're giving him what we want. Part of the process. But then there's a maturing that says, let me start with asking God what he wants. And so I asked him that day in my basement at the keyboard, God, what do you want? And all I heard in my spirit was play a G, a G, no, one note. And all my years of training, all my years of playing, I was like, man, a child could do that. I was insulted. I said, a child could play that. And he said, exactly, except you become as a child except you become as a child, you won't be able to enter into this new way that I'm trying to teach you. Man, even though my pride got crushed, I learned the blessing of humility. I learned something in that moment. It was me and God in the basement. He said, play a G. And it was the first time I ever dared, dared to ask him what he wanted. I played a G. The glory of God filled that basement. I'm, I'm talking, it was like with Solomon when they talk about like the priest couldn't enter. The glory of God filled that basement. All I did was ask God what he wanted, offered it to him. He had to humble me because what he asked for was something a child could do. But he was like, I need you to drop your pride. I need you to drop your years of experience. I need you to drop being impressed with you and your court. And I need you to simply offer me what I'm asking. And he was glad that I finally asked him. And when I offered it, he responded in a way that I can't even put into words. The glory of the Lord filled the basement. All my years of playing in church, all my years of teaching choirs, all my years of all this great harmony. All, I had never heard a sound. It was the sound of heaven. It was literally, it was God. It was the manifest presence of God in my basement simply by starting with, God, what do you want? And I believe he's taking us all into that place of, okay, we can come up with stuff in our minds and offer it to God. And for a season and for a while, God is like, yeah, I'm glad you're offering it to me. But then we hit this place, this crossroads, this place where God says, okay, now I'm putting a different choice before you. Do you want to go to this new place in me? Do you want to leave church and enter kingdom? Do you want to enter into this place where you're beyond your ability and you're tapping now into God's ability. And he says, I want you to have this experience to convince you that my way is the way. And I, that experience convinced me. And that was before the first service of Petra. 
Petra was just beginning, getting ready to start that Sunday. And God convinced me that might've been like on a Monday, Tuesday, God convinced me and he says, seek worshipers. So I called around and those that were in my spirit that were worshipers, I called them together and we got together that Friday. And on my way there, that's when God said, don't play a note, don't sing a song. It ain't about music. And he wasn't saying there was something wrong with music. He was saying that my, my confidence was in music. My love was for music. And he said, that was cool for a season, but now I want your confidence to be in me and your relationship with me. And so we came together and I told him what God was saying and I shared what God said to share. That Sunday we came and I knew we had to lead worship and I'm like, God, what are we supposed to do? We didn't practice a song. We don't know a note. We don't know. I don't know what to do. And he said, you know what to do? Ask me. And so I asked him what to do. And he just began to guide me in terms of what to play. And my eyes were closed as I was at the keyboard. Now, remember, this is the first Sunday of Petra. We had about 500 people there. There was a group of worshipers that I didn't even know if they could sing. Um, and so my eyes were closed because I was nervous. I didn't know what was getting ready to come out. And God just began to lead me in terms of what chords to play. And before I knew it, I started hearing a sound. And I thought angels had come in our midst. I thought angels were singing. And so I gradually opened my eyes and it was the people that were the worshipers that were at the mics. They were singing these sounds that were the sounds of heaven. And what God convinced me is that his way works. And one of the blessings of wisdom, because what I had done was taken the gift that God gave me. I made them pleasing to my ear. I complicated them. And what I didn't understand was that the human mind will take simple things and make them complicated. But the wisdom of God takes complicated things and makes them simple. And so simplicity was something that I had to learn to love and learn. Like it's not in how many runs I can do. It's not in how many scales I can play and how many up and down the keyboard. Wisdom knows what to do when for the best results. And so I had to learn simplicity. And so I do believe as we get ready to close, there is um, in, in Acts 17, verse 30, it's culminating this story where Paul, the apostle is in Athens and it says that his spirit gets bothered when he sees the idolatry, he gets bothered. But he ends up making this statement, and this is all prior to verse 30. He makes the statement that, um, you know, God is not, he doesn't dwell in the temple made with man's hands, and he's not worshiped with man's hands. Um, but he ends up culminating by saying in verse 30 that King James puts it like this, the times of this ignorance got winked at, but now he's calling men everywhere to repent. And what he's saying, the times of this ignorance, he's saying people were dealing with God like he was just one of them and like he would just take whatever. And it says that God winked at it. Those of you that are parents, you can attest to this. When you're raising young children, they can be having a day where they're cutting up so much that you sort of choose your battles. And some things you act like you don't even see because if you deal with everything that they've been doing that's not right that day, you'll be hollering at them all day long and correcting them all day long. So some things you just wink at, you just act like you don't see it. You just don't even deal with it right then. 
And it says that God's been doing that with us. Some things he's just been like, I ain't going to deal with that yet. I ain't going to deal with that yet. I'm not going to deal with that yet. He just winks at it. But now he's calling men everywhere. He's calling all of us to repent. Repentance is so critical because it's, it's this important that it was John the Baptist who was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He, that was his message. That was his only message. Repent, 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 repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent to be you know, baptized and cleansed from your sins. Well, when Jesus comes on the scene, that's Jesus' first message. Repent. And he says, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And what he's saying is, I know you're used to religion. I know you're used to church. But what's available to you now was what, what's within reach, what's at hand. That means it's, you can access it. It's within reach. He says, now kingdom is within your reach. And so repentance doesn't mean feeling bad and horrible and all that. Repentance is simply changing the way you think. It's, it's a different way of thinking. And so Romans 12 makes the point to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Like God wants to change the way that we think. Um, in Acts, it talks about the times of refreshing comes through our repentance and God will refresh us because of the presence of the Lord. Repentance is critical and it simply means to change the way we think, to change the way we're looking at something, to change the way we view it. And I do believe that for all of us, what we have viewed worship and worship leading to be about that God is not saying that we were wrong and that it was bad. He was saying there's more, there's something new, there's something fresh, there's something else that I want to show you and release through you. He wants to release something through us. So you can be good at doing what everybody else is doing, but it's still what everybody else is doing. Or you can be in position where you are getting a new pattern from heaven. And that's what you are ushering into the earth so that you serve as a new standard, not just doing what everybody else is doing, not just doing it like everybody else is doing it and try to perfect, trying to perfect what already exists. So it is our first Corinthians 2, 9 that says your eye hasn't seen and your ear hasn't heard the things that God has prepared for those that love him. And it says that there's something that God has prepared for those that love him and your eye has not seen it. So that means it doesn't exist in the earth. Your eye, has, it's not something you've seen. It's not something you've heard before. And it actually says it's not even entered into the heart of man. So if it's not in our hearts, I said, God, where do we get it from then? And he said, it's in my heart. So you've got to come and seek my heart and I'll release to you a new pattern. So there's a new pattern that God desires to bring forth from Restoration Christian Fellowship there's a new pattern. There's a new worship ensemble. There's a new way of doing things. You will be like, um, in every in every area of life, we can see it. Like back in the day, Michael Jackson, when he came on the scene, he wasn't just like everybody else. He wasn't just a good singer. He ushered in a whole new standard. On the basketball court back in the day, Michael Jordan, he wasn't just as good. He, it was a whole new standard. And so there are some that are anointed to usher in a new standard. Restoration, Christian fellowship, worship ensemble, you are purposed and anointed by God to usher in a new standard, a new stand, a new standard. And so what it takes is just like it did with me in that basement, start with, okay, God, what is it that you want? What do you desire? Ask him, 
And it will cause you to humble yourself because when we talk about worship encounters, please hear this, the word encounter within the definition is the word confrontation. So when we encounter God, it means he's gonna confront something in us that's not like him yet, yet. And he's gonna ask us to lay that thing down. And so when you ask God, God, what do you desire from me? There's always this, this God appointed starting place. God always has a starting place and he'll say, start here. And whatever that start here is, it's gonna be something that requires sacrifice, something that works against our soul and our will, it's going to be an encounter, which means there's going to be some confrontation, but it's love confronting us. It's not an enemy. It's not somebody who doesn't like us. It's our daddy, our father, Abba God saying, okay, this is the thing that I want to change in you. And you might know that there's 25 things wrong with you. I can name 15 things wrong with me right off the back without taking a breath, but there's only one thing God's dealing with at a time. And so being able to say, okay, God, where do I start? He will give you the sense in your spirit. He will let you know to go to this next place. This is the starting place. And so as we ask him and we humble ourselves, he'll meet us there and he will speak something to us regarding this next step. And all we have to do is just offer, it's, I'm, it's not going to be deep. It's not going to be way across somewhere else where you got to get a prophetic word and you got to get speaking prayer language on all, all of that. God will meet you where you are. And just start tonight. I'm asking you between this Wednesday and next Wednesday to every day, pray this. And this is out of Matthew 6, um, the model prayer. All of us have heard, know the model prayer. Have you ever thought about when the disciples said, God, teach us to pray? Jesus sums it up in a few verses. It's just a few verses. It's not very long. So it's got to be power packed. If he's saying, if they're asking him, teach us to pray, and he just gives them these few verses, there's a whole lot in those few verses. In, in, in verse 10, this is Matthew 6, verse 10, that's where he says, Pray this, you know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That verse right there is critical. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I'm asking us to pray that every day. God, I want your kingdom to come and I want your will to be done in earth. What is our, our bodies are made of the earth, the dust of the ground, the earth. And so it's not saying let your kingdom come, let your will be done through earth. It's saying in earth, because whatever is in earth will come through earth. So it's saying, God, do something in me. Let your kingdom, kingdom simply means the king's dominion, kingdom, king's dominion. It is God, our king, our father, his dominance, him dominating, him being in control. I want your kingdom to come and I want your will to be done in me like it's being done in heaven. In heaven, there is no resistance to God's will. That which resisted God got kicked out. You can read about it in Revelations 12, when the enemy that, what resisted God got kicked out. So in heaven, there is no resistance. And so I'm saying, God, in me, do something in me where I'm not resisting your will, where I'm in agreement with your way, 
where I'm expressing the fruit of the spirit because the atmosphere of heaven is love, joy, peace. It's the fruit of the spirit. So I'm saying, God, produce that inside of me. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. When God told me to start praying that I prayed it for two weeks, and this is years ago, and God said, I want you every day to ask and just simply say, God, I want your kingdom to come. And I want your will to be done in me like it's being done in heaven. I did that for like two weeks, transformed my life. It changed my whole life. But what I didn't realize was God, maybe the second day in, he said, okay, Lisa, for my kingdom to come, yours has, yours has to go. This little kingdom you build up, yours got to go. If mine is going to come because they can't dwell in the same place. And he said, okay, if my will is going to be done in your life, you got to lay yours down. And so that was a beginning. And when I'm saying a beginning, there are many beginnings to go into new places. But I was telling JB earlier, it's like playing the piano and having scales and you can hit C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. And you can go up all of these octaves. Well, you hit a C. You know, it's like every one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, every eighth note is going to be the same note. And so you can start feeling like, wait, I'm here again. I'm in the same note. But the difference is it might be a C and I started at a C, but it's a higher octave. I'm in a higher place. I'm in a higher place. And so whatever God is doing in you now, he's not saying because you've just been jacking up, let me deal with you. He's saying, no, because you have advanced, because you have grown, because you have qualified now for this new place. It might feel like a same place, but it's a higher octave. You're, there's a new you. There's a different place than the last time God got your attention like this. You're in a different place than you were then. You're in a higher octave. And so God says, now let's start where we are at this place and let me take you to a higher place. And as long as we are in these earthly bodies, that process will continue. And I've learned how to celebrate the invitation of God where he's wanting to take me to a new place. When I was immature, I saw it as a negative, like God was getting on my case about something. It wasn't that. It was him saying, you've grown, you've matured, you've borne fruit, and now let me prune you so that I can get more fruit. Now let me take you to a higher place. Now let me take you deeper in me. And I've never regretted any one of the levels ever. And so I'm asking you all to every day, just pray that, God, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to, to be done in me like it's being done in heaven. And you will begin to see God, he won't just do it by osmosis. What he will do is put you in choices and in situations day by day in daily life. You'll recognize it where he's opening your eyes to see, oh, wait, this is the choice God is putting before me. Am I going to do what I want to do or am I going to do what he wants me to do? It could be in the middle of a, like an argument with somebody and that little thing will come and you know what you want to say, but you know that that's not what God wants you to say. And he's saying, choose your will or his will, because you're asking for his will to come. But that means you got to lay your will down. So it'll be in very practical ways, very practical ways. Who's going to control this, which is the kingdom of God. I want your kingdom to come. He's saying, OK, I'm going to put you in situations where you're going to choose whether you control it or whether I control it. I want your will, your will to be done. He's going to put you in situations where it's going to be obvious you can do it your way or you can do it God's way. And he's saying, make the choice. He ain't mad at you. He loves you either way. 
but we're all gonna have a heightened awareness in this next week to situations in daily life where God is saying, okay, do my will or yours, you know, do your thing or choose mine. And so I'm asking that we would collectively pray that. And I thank you for your time today. I thank you for your attention. I thank you for your focus. I can feel your spirit. I feel your intercession. I feel your love. I thank you all for that, for your attention. It's not invaluable. Your, your time and your attention is very valuable. So I thank you for trusting my heart. Um, it, it seems like I might've been rambling, but I'm just sort of like, okay, God, wherever you wanna go, sort of like, let's go. So it's, it's an adventurous journey. Um, <laughs> whether it's leading worship or whether it's just communicating, it's more like I prepare according to how God says prepare. But when the moment comes, it's like, okay, God, I lay it all down and you can move however you want to move. And that's what he does. And it's exciting. Um, it's adventurous. I'm not in control. It's his kingdom. It's his dominion. And so that's what I'm learning that more and more in life that his way is definitely better. It's, it's, um, it's an adventure, like I said, because it's not like I can say, okay, let me look at this and that and that. It's like, okay, God, let's go. But it's like the spirit. It is what he said to Nicodemus in John three, like, okay, okay. The thing that you're wanting to know is by the spirit and the spirit is like the wind and it's going just, you know, we're going to go with the wind, but I'm loving um, this journey. I'm loving this adventure with God. And I'm so thankful that you're a part of my journey. I'm a part of your journey. And for this season, God has connected us to walk this next step out together. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor, my, my anointed son. Thank you, my anointed daughter. Thank you so much for opening your family, which is my family too. But thank you for um, just, you gave permission for them to trust my heart, even though many of them don't didn't know me. Um, but you you trusted my heart and opened up and you gave your sons and daughters who are precious, precious, precious. Mm -hmm. You gave them permission to trust my heart. So thank you all mm -hmm. for trusting my heart. Uh, if you have any questions, let me know. And we'll pick up probably in more of um, next week, have your Bibles, have uh, you know something to scroll through in terms of scripture, have something to write on next week um, where today was this. Let's get to know each other. Let me share my journey. Let's lay the foundation. And then we're going to go forth from here, probably more in a systematic kind of way. Yeah. Probably. I'm saying probably because I don't know what God's going to do. But hey, whatever he wants to do is cool with me because it always works out yeah. for the best. Mm -hmm. Come on, let's show Sister Lisa some love. Come on, yeah. Woo!